0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Wellness Center. Yes, that's wellness with one S because there's only one me. My name is Sasha Winters, and I'm a mental health professional certified in trauma therapy. welcome back to the wellness center you guys i hope that you have had an amazing couple of weeks if you're avid you have noticed that we did not post last week and that is because i took another week off um i'm not going to apologize for taking time off i try not to that's an old habit of myself Um, of apologizing for taking time to myself. But usually, if I'm taking time to myself, it's for a good reason. Um, Like, I've had a really busy week and didn't have time to record, or I was sick, or, you know, my family may have just needed me extra time last week, whatever it may be. So, I try to post weekly, um, but if you ever miss me between a week, it's because I'm taking time for myself. So we are still in season two, and this is episode five. I know last episode I was like, oh, I think this is episode three, episode two, that was actually episode four, and this is episode five. And the title of this, or the thing that we're going to focus on in this episode is it's a marathon versus a sprint. A marathon versus a sprint. So if you are a Nipsey Hussle fan or if you were a part of social media around the time that Nipsey Hussle died and even before, one of his famous quotes was like, like, let's continue the marathon or something in regards to a marathon, right? And that is an important statement in general, whether it's coming from him, whether it's coming from this podcast or in general in from anybody in general looking at life as a marathon is a benefit because sometimes we just try to move so fast through things or we try to expect things to happen to us so fast and we lose sight of the bigger picture right like we lose sight that it's going to take a few miles before we get there it's going to take us to go through a lot of things so some events in our life need to be sprinted through, right? Like some events only require a short amount of attention, a short amount of energy, or they're an immediate need. Like we need to solve the problem now. Others take training, focus, and conditioning because it's a marathon. It's something that we have to like not only just do, we have to educate ourselves on, we have to prep ourselves for it, we have to focus on it, and we have to have conditioning in order to make it through, and that's because it's a marathon. So the dictionary definition of a sprint is running at full speed over a short distance or... A set period of time during which a specific task must be completed. And that's to use more in like software development. But if we apply that to life, it's when you're running at full speed over a short distance. So again, these are like the immediate needs of life. You know, um, your car broke down and you have to get the water pump replaced. That is something that you have to put full speed, full energy into for a short period of time. It's a set period of time where a specific task must be completed. Like, okay, I have to get my water pump fixed within the next few days or at least within the next week so that I can go back to having independent transportation. The problem is that when things like that happen in life, we kind of look at those things as marathons, that it will never be over. The water pump will never be fixed. I'll never stop experiencing negative events in my life. And so we tend to put more energy into sprint moments than needed, We take the amount of energy and time and training and focus that it takes for a marathon and we try to fit that into a sprint. And then we usually become overworked and stressed out and bogged down mentally about what's going on in that sprint in that short period of time. So a marathon, by the, di- the dictionary definition, is a long distance running race. A long-lasting or difficult task or operation of a specific time. It's a long distance. Long-lasting. It's a difficult task. And it's specific. So the main difference between a sprint and a marathon is that a sprint is short and a marathon is long. The thing about a sprint that's also different is the dictionary doesn't say that a sprint is difficult. It just says that you have to put your full speed, your full energy into it. A marathon is looked at as one of the most difficult tasks in regards to athleticism. You know, like if we think about the Tour de France or like doing a 5K or other long marathon runs that they have. We think about how difficult that is and how much strength it takes. A sprint is just from here to the corner. But yet we try to take, again, we try to take all that energy and preparation that we do for a marathon and put it into a sprint. So some examples of sprints that I wrote down is like a single task within a marathon, right? Um, Like, for example, like a triathlon is usually three different sports. It's like swimming, biking, running, or something like that. So a sprint can be determined as like, the swimming portion of the marathon or like the biking portion of the triathlon. Another sprint is items that have near due dates. So if your registration is due at the end of this month, that is a shorter due date. If you have to get all of your work done for work, like you have a deadline by the end of the week, that is a shorter due date, and those are sprints. Resolution to current problems are also sprints. Survival tasks are also sprints. So, for example, if you are stranded and you're trying to get to safety, those require all of your energy and sprint mentality. Some examples of marathons are success in general, like overall success. Relationships are marathons, not sprints. I know we think that like if we put all of our energy into the beginning of a relationship, it will be successful, but that's not true. Relationships take conditioning. They take training, meaning like, you know, learning your person and And they take time for you to build skill. Stability in general, peace in general, mental health in general. So many clients come into my office and during the first appointment they say, so how long do you think this is going to take? And my usual response is, well sessions are 50 minutes. And they respond with, no I mean like this whole journey, like when will I be healed by? And I'm not going to say that that's a surprising question. Of course, people want to know, like, when will I feel better? When you go to the doctor's office and they say, okay, well, you have like, you know, a stomach infection or something like that. If you take this antibiotic for 10 days, you should feel better. Mental health is not that. I mean, physical health in general is not that either. Like, just because you take those antibiotics for 10 days and you feel better, that does not then mean you're healthy. Being healthy in all standards takes time and for your mental health unfortunately i wish there was something that i could do within 10 days to make people's traumas go away but that's not how it works unfortunately especially specifically for trauma it takes a snapshot for a trauma to happen but it has a lifelong effect and that's what i try to tell people and i try to remember to remind them that i'm not here to cure you i'm not here to erase the bad thing that happened. We are here, we together, are here in therapy to learn ways to survive after that bad thing has happened. Coping skills that we learn in therapy are sprints. And they're sprints that you use along the way of completing the marathon called mental health. Many clients also come in, the first session, they vent and everything and get everything off their chest. And then after that, they say, "Huh, I feel so much better now. I think I can like, I can do this thing called life. And I make sure to educate them that even this first session, that was a sprint. Releasing and talking is a coping skill. And it's a coping skill that you're going to have to use often along this journey to help you feel better when things don't feel so good. However, we did just start this journey and it's a marathon and we're gonna climb some hills and we're gonna be in some valleys and it's gonna get hard before it gets better. With my research, and when I say research, just by like professional experience of the amount of clients I've seen and how many sessions I've had with people, Around the third session is when the world seems to turn upside down for people. They come in the first session and they're like, Oh, great. I feel better. I got that off my chest. The next session they come in and they were like, The last session was great. I left out of here. I felt refreshed. I was able to look at the world in this way and this way, and I'm ready to change these things. Like they become so aware of the world and themselves and what they want to do differently. And then the third session. And I'm like, how was your week? And they go, it was a disaster. And I'm like, what do you mean? What happened? This fell apart and this fell apart. And I felt depressed by this and I felt anxious by that. And I just feel so super aware. And I'm like, yeah, nobody really talks about the Pandora box that we open. Once we open the mental health box and you become super aware, everything feels like a trigger. But that's okay. Like, hold on. We're just learning to walk in this on this new land of mental health. In about a few steps, once we start to recognize what our actual triggers are, and we start to pair those with coping skills, and we start to use those skills often and regularly, those triggers will be less effective. So that's my professional experience. From my personal experience, it took me about two years to get where I am today to say like if a trigger happens, I process first and I use my coping skills and I have a toolbox of coping skills to pull from when I feel different emotions. But that took me through going through different emotions of loneliness and abandonment and and regret and disappointment and failure. Like, it, I had to go through a bunch of those different emotions and even happiness or, you know, like grat- gratitude and gratefulness too, in order to learn what coping skill I can use to process that emotion in a healthy way. So I tell people all the time, like, it may take six months to a year but it is also dependent on your progress, right? So coping skills include giving back to yourself and giving back to others as well. So for example, if you feel you've been more aggressive, give back kindness to others as well as yourself. If you've been aggressive and hard on yourself, give yourself some kindness. If you've been aggressive to others in your circle, try to give some kindness in return make sure you are also giving it to yourself because we cannot pour from an empty cup. So if you're constantly giving out kindness, 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 gratefulness, 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 satisfaction, you know, you're just, you're handing those things out. We start to feel depleted because it's a rarity that people give back those things. And that's not shading other people. They needed it so you gave it to them but we have to learn to give to ourselves because if we are expecting others to fill our cups before we fill our cups that's a little thing called codependency we want other people to make us happy before we make our own selves happy we want other people to be kind to us before we're even kind to ourselves we want to be satisfied by other people before we're even satisfied by ourselves so you got to make sure that you're giving your coping skills to you first. If one of your coping skills is relaxation, you know, relax. Take time to yourself before you give time to others. And not even before. But if you give time to others as a mom, as a wife, as a husband, as a friend, make sure you're also giving yourself equal time, if not more time back. If you feel like you've been isolating and cutting people off, like give the ones that matter more time and affection, but also make sure you give yourself time and affection. If, if you're giving affection to other people, uh, love on yourself. Usually after a hard week or even after a very hard session, I tell the client will ask like, you know, well, what was my homework for this week? What do I work on to make next week better? And I always say, when we feel like this, There's nothing we need to work on that's new. What I want you to do this week is I want you to love on yourself. Because right now you feel depleted. You just went through an emotional journey that made you feel depleted. I need you to go home and I need you to love on yourself. I need you to spend time with yourself. I need you to listen to your music. I need you to take your bath. I need you to give yourself a massage. I need you to go sit by the river, spend time with friends. Whatever loving on yourself looks like, love on yourself. If your love language is quality time, spend quality time with yourself. If your love language is gifts, sure, gift yourself things. But let's remember to be reasonable. Like, don't go buy a book, right? Like, But if you're feeling bad, buying yourself a cup of coffee to make you feel better, that's okay. But when you're buying, when you feel like you can't be happy unless you buy yourself coffee, that's something we should probably explore, right? But, but you know, give yourself your own love language. Because that love was taken out for whatever reason with whatever situation that happened. So, time for a personal story. In the last, I'll probably say year or so, I kept getting upset with others for not being there for me. Like if I was going through something or I was having a hard time. Or, you know, like, I couldn't get to a goal. I'd be like, I can't do this because I don't have support. Or, I'm struggling because nobody will help me. But I wasn't there for myself. And I had to have that hard conversation. Like, you want support from others. For example, like, you want people to share your podcast. but you don't even share your own podcast. You want people to, like, come to you for therapy. But you don't even therapy yourself. Does that make sense? Like, you don't even give to yourself what you expect others to give to you. If I was going through, you know, like a hard time, I was like, well, no one will help me. And I had to be hard on myself again and say, well, how can you help yourself? Those other people didn't get you into this situation. Or if they did, maybe it wasn't even intentional. So how can you help yourself before you're expecting someone else to help you? So if it's financial, like, how can I work on myself to be better responsible for my finances instead of blaming people for not paying me, right? Now, not paying somebody for their job is a big, still a big deal. But how can I be better? Like, do I find a better job? Yeah, of course. And then... I had to also be honest and open with myself and said, well, is it no one will help you because they don't want to? Or is it because you haven't asked? Mm. And that's where a lot of us get stuck. It's easy to say, no one will help me. No one will, like, help me figure this out. But who did you ask? Did you ask for help first before you assumed that they wouldn't help you? And that was huge for me. I was like, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have this. I don't have that. And, you know, my therapist was like, well, who did you ask? And I was like, no one. Well, how do you know that no one will help if you haven't asked? So we just got to face those things. First, like, how can you help yourself? And then after you have exhausted all the things to help yourself, have you asked someone else for help? Have you gone to someone and said, listen, I've tried all the things, but I've come up short. Is there any ideas that you have or is there any way that you can support me? And then I would also choose when I was there for others. And I know that's like a shocker to some people like, what? Not you. But how can I... Like people would come to me with things and I'm like, that's too difficult. I don't want to deal with that. And then other things I'd be like, oh, I can be there for that. But then I would get mad if people didn't show up how I expected them to. So now if somebody has something going on in their life or they contact me, I ask myself, like, how would I expect someone else to show up for me? And do I have the capacity to continuously show up for this person before I decide to help this person the first time? Do I have the capacity to continuously help them the next time they ask me? And that's something we also have to be honest with ourselves about because we will lend a hand willingly, right? And that's a good thing. Like, oh, I can help pick you up from work, but will you be able to do it every time they ask? If not, if that's not a thing that you can do if that's not energy you have if that's not a resource you can lend don't do it and be honest you know you can eat, and I'm not gonna say don't do it at all you just be honest and say hey no problem I can pick you up this Thursday from work but usually on Thursdays I work till 9 and you know every other day I have to be home at this time so it's not something that I can always do, but you can ask me first and I can review what I have going on before I can say yes. People appreciate that because if you're not honest and you're like, yeah, I can pick you up, that's never, that's never a problem. And then the next time they ask you to pick them up, you're like, oh, I can't because I have to do this. And then you get upset. Like, why are they always relying on me to pick them up from work? Be Just be honest because if you would have did it the other way first and then when you're like actually today i have to go get my son first and they're like oh no worries i know you said like every time probably wouldn't work but i figured i'd ask you first or even set a boundary like hey if you need a ride just let me know like two days in advance if you could and you know i'll try to work it out if you can't let me know two days in advance just let me know as soon as possible, and I'll be open with you if I if I have something going on. So I would, ch- like, back to what I was saying, like, I would choose to be there when, when to be there for somebody without being open and honest, and that's not fair. That's not fair, because I'm expecting people to be there for me at each time. That's not fair. I would feel like my problems were a priority, right? Like, oh. I can show up for your problem, maybe, but you have to show up for my problem because it's me. Like, how could you not show up for my problem? And we have to take our egos down a size when we go through things like this and notice that, like, I have to be able to give to people what I'm expecting back. In this lifelong journey of mental health, of success, of relationships, of friendships, this is a marathon. I can't expect somebody to always show up. But if they give, they give effort over a long period of time, that's what matters. So now what I do when my people are off, like my circle, when they're not doing the things that they usually do, I ask them, like, what is it they need? and Or how can I help them? Because that's what I need, honestly. Like, if I'm off and my people know that I'm off, The best thing that they can do for me is say, hey, I noticed you've been off. What do you need from me? Or what is it that I can support you with? Because then that gives me free range. And that gives anybody free range to be like, you know what? I'm really overwhelmed right now. Could you, like, take this off my plate? Because I would do the same in return. If somebody came to me and said, I'm really overwhelmed right now. With this work project would you be able to watch my son for two hours i'm not saying that like that immediate day i'd like yep let's go do it but i think i would be able to say maybe i might not be able to watch your son today but what if we like go to the park together on saturday you know something like that so just remember in this lifelong journey It is a marathon. It's going to take conditioning. It's going to take training. It's going to take all of your focus over a long period of time. Try not to fit all your focus and your energy into sprinting moments because you're going to burn out before the marathon is even over. as always, I would like to end with a disclaimer. Any literature or creative works from others that were verbally referenced here today will also be cited in the description of this podcast as well as the description of the YouTube. The information that was presented in this segment should not be used solely for diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a one-stop shop. If you have any concerns about your mental health or the mental health of a loved one, I heavily encourage you to reach out to your family or your primary care doctor. If you or someone that you know is at risk of harming themselves or harming someone else, please call 911. The National Suicide Hotline is 800-273-8255. Or you could even text HOME, that's H O M E, to 741741 for help at any time. If you would like to know more ways to connect with me personally, please check out the description for my link tree. I hope you guys have had an amazing time. I hope you guys have an amazing week and an amazing weekend. And I'll see you the same time next week, right? Because I'll be here. All right. Bye for now.